Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. We're in the middle of a series entitled Mission Control. We're in the middle of a series entitled Mission Control, where we've been talking about the mission of God and the things uh, that God has called us to do as believers. And so if you're not a believer in the room, you're not necessarily exempt because the mission of God is important to every life. And so we just want to invite you to listen and hear uh, the story about this God man who came and bought, uh, uh, bought us back to God or brought us back to God so that we can now live the life that God has designed us to live here on earth. And so we all have a responsibility. And so we hope there's some persuasion that goes on this morning. Uh, uh, I don't know this, but uh, you can't uh, participate in life without being programmed or influenced by the things that you encounter in life. You just can't. Some of you might be saying, what about what you're talking about right now? Yes, I am a programmer. And so what I'm trying to do is trying to give you uh, or influence you in the way. And so don't sit there, just sit back. I knew they tried to influence me in church. Yes, we're trying to influence you to a way, into a way of thinking that God is better. God is better. Jesus is better. That's what we want to influence you to do. And so we've been talking about mission control, and there is a person who controls the mission, and we call him God. That's what that's, that we, we call him God. He controls the mission just like mission control on a space exploration. There's somebody who sits back, uh, well, not necessarily passively, but they, they're active in, 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 in the creation of this mission. And so while the people who are out on the mission are, are executing the mission, the one who has the power to tell them and delineate and tell them which way to go and what to do, uh, they're sitting back, and they're, and they're speaking. And it's up to the person on the mission to do what the mission control is saying to do. And we call that mission control the spirit of God. And so we've been talking about how the mission is important and that for week one, we talked about mission control. Week two, we talked about uh, our tongues aborting the mission. That God is teaching us to control our tongue. And so uh, we said that, uh, you know, our actions and our behaviors are reflective of the words we say and the words we say are reflective of our heart. And we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to dig a little bit deeper about capturing our thoughts. Anybody have the ability to capture your thought? If you if you have, raise your hand. We're going to write. Uh, we, we, we're going to uh, we're going to do something. We're going to get you on a speaking tour. Um, we're going to get you ready because every human being understands that it is extremely hard to 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 control your thoughts. Control your thoughts. But I think according to the scripture, the Bible has taught us that God requires us and given us responsibility to control our thoughts. And so your life is an expression of what you think. Our lives are an expression of what we think. Unseen thoughts create visible consequences. Unseen thoughts create visible consequences, your behaviors align with what's going on in your mind and whatever you interact with, whatever you do has the potential, I said earlier, to program you. And so we need to be careful about what we allow to be input and ingrained in our mind. We're living in a culture right now, the statistics are astonishing about the people who say they're addicted to pornography in this day and age. Not just men either, women, everybody addicted to porn because we have these, we have these supercomputers in our pocket. We have more computing power in your pocket than it took to put the first man on the moon. Think about that for a second. And at every, every, any given moment, at any given time, you can reach down into your pocket and you can Netflix, you can watch pornography, you can watch the game in church. I've caught some of y'all doing it. No. 
You can play Candy Crush. Like, there's all these things that we can do now, and all these images are always before us. And the Bible also says that we live in one of the ages that's the most anxious now. And I believe somebody else we were just talking about that is, is, is associated with this technology. We have this fear of missing out, and we're always here. There's this new phenomenon that goes on now that well, people say they feel their, their leg vibrating even if their phone is not in their pocket. And so we have these images, images 24-7. We can just consume, we can just consume, we can just consume. And sometimes it's even hard to put it down. And then once we look up, whatever we were consuming has programmed the way that we think. The way that we think. And so God is teaching us through this letter that Paul wrote that we can take these thoughts captive. I think it was Martin Luther that said this. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your head in relationship to thoughts. Some thoughts, we don't know where they come from. They just come there. They're part of our subculture. They're, I mean, our, our subconscious. But what happens is when we get stuff before our eyes, it's always there. And even some of us this morning, there's things that we watched on TV last night that while we were singing praises, these images are popping up in our heads and we're trying to praise a holy God, but we've just been consumed with stuff. And God is trying to tell us that, listen, all thoughts aren't bad. But negative thoughts, we have to do something with negative thoughts because those negative thoughts create a barrier between us and God. I know you don't believe it. I'm going to show you in the text in a minute, though. And so we see the Apostle Paul. And he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And we all know we did a we, we, we walked through a series about the church in Corinth. They, Corinth was wild. They were wild in Corinth. They were, they, they were crazy in Corinth. And so this is Paul's second letter, actually, to Corinth, where, where, where the church had actually brought up charges against Paul. And they had threw some low blows at Paul, talking about his character, talking about certain things about him, that he didn't walk in integrity, and that, you know, he's all bold in his letters, but when he face to face, he act like a little sheep. And so they were, they were throwing shade at Paul. And Paul had to deal with these two-faced people. Two-faced. That means you got two faces. <laughs> and so Paul needed to deal with these two-faced people. I'm from the projects. We say stuff a little different. It's okay. You know what I'm talking about. Use context clues. You'll catch on. And so these people were two-faced. Like Paul had spent his life trying to present the gospel, and now you want to talk sideways about me? And you're saying, what does that have to do with capturing our thoughts? I think that Paul, the principles based upon what Paul had written in this letter, we can apply to our lives. How would you act? And some of y'all can say, how did you act last week when someone presented themselves as two-faced before you? We ain't even got to think about something that extreme. How did you act when somebody cut you off in traffic? How did you act when you slaved over that stove and your spouse came home and just scarfed it all down and didn't say a word? I ain't never did that, but I'm saying some people, you know. What's the thoughts that hit your head? You see, because Jesus came and Jesus said not only, not only that you should you not react, Jesus said that you should guard your thoughts. He talked about in adultery. He said, listen, not only should you not 
uh, 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 sleep with a, a woman that's not your wife or sleep with a man that's not your husband, you shouldn't even think it, Jesus said. You shouldn't even think it. So some of us going to hell right now, right? If that's the... That's the criteria. Summertime at the beach, beach bodies, he walking around and he just, you know. <laughs> she walking around, got half her clothes on, and you just, and, and the thought just hit, you just, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> How do we control these things? What would you do if someone was coming at you sideways? Would you blow your witness? Or would you handle them meekly? And I think Paul threw a little shade because Paul was a little sarcastic. But he still handled it all right. And so you have to pull it up on the screen. It's a, a first Corinthians. I mean, second Corinthians. Sorry. Uh, 10 verse one through six. Really, my slides ain't there. I tested them before I left. too. Um. He said, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. <laughs> See, if you know the backstory, you know, Paul's like, Paul's saying, okay, I know what y'all been saying about me. He just said that, he said, listen, you know, me, little old meek Paul, I'm bold when I'm away, but you want to know when I'm with y'all. He says, listen, I beg of you that when I present, when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I am on uh, as I count on showing against some. Watch this. Who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. So some of y'all been saying I'm carnal. Some of you been saying that the thing, the ways that I act, the ways that I approach you ain't quite. Right, and it's just human in, in interaction and just human knowledge, and, 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 and it's all messed up. And see, one thing they didn't understand is Paul was going to be the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament. This is the inerrant word of God that, that Paul is speaking to the people, and they're standing against it, which tells me that sometimes we just don't want to do what the word of God tells us to do. You ain't got to say amen, you can just say ouch. Now, I'm not talking about some crazy man of God who's coming to you and, 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 and just being abusive and harsh. And not, I'm not talking about that. But most of the time, listen, most of the time, in my experience, I've come to people kind of gently. Like, even like, like Paul, like, even if it was a false meekness, I was trying, you know. No, boo-boo, that's not the way. And people just get sideways with you when the word of God comes after their life. And so Paul says, listen, I understand some things, though. Watch this. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not raging war according to the flesh. So what does that mean? That means that even though we live in this life, listen, there's a battle going on that you cannot see. There's a battle going on that's not fleshly. So when that person comes after you, Paul is understanding some principles. We need to understand these principles, too. When that person offends you willingly or unwillingly, listen, it's not the person that you got a problem with. What you got a problem with is the principles of God that God is telling you to live a certain way and you just don't want to do it right now. Because it's easier to yell than bite my tongue. It's easy to give you every little piece of my mind 
than to shut up like we talked about last week. It's easier. And so Paul is coming against their toxic thinking. Watch this. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We're going to talk about strongholds in a minute. If you circle in your Bible, circle that word. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are rooted deep in our hearts and mind, and they influence the way that we think. Negative strongholds stand against God and create these barriers, and they influence the way that we think. See, sometimes in our hearts and in our minds, we don't understand that as a man thinks, so is he. And we believe that we can't control our thoughts. And we even post in it sometimes. We say, yeah, I want to say something. I thought it, but I want yeah, they glad I didn't. And as Christians, we need to understand that God is even after your thought life. God wants you to think the way that God thinks. And that's why he tells us that we need to renew. I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes. Our mind. And so when these negative thoughts hit us, we have three choices. Choice number one is we can embrace it. And a lot of us do. We embrace the negative thought. We embrace the negative thought. We embrace it. We take it on to ourselves. Anybody ever, something go wrong and then everything's just wrong in life? You didn't make that red light. No, Lord, the whole day is just, oh, Lord, Jesus. One person say something to you and you talk to your friends, everybody just coming against me today. Everybody. The billions of people on the planet, everybody's coming against you today. The supervisor tell you to meet him in his office after lunch and you just know you can fire. You start cleaning out your office. And so some of us, we embrace negative thoughts way too much. Where did that thought come from? The supervisor didn't tell you that you was going to get fired. But on the inside, there's this low self-esteem, there's this low, I don't know, the enemy maybe. I don't know where the thought comes from, but when the thought comes, you grab hold to it and you latch hold to it. And before you know it, you spin yourself into this rut. Oh, Lord, it's the cancer. You ain't got no blood test, no nothing. You just know you got cancer. Stay off those websites. So some of us embrace negative thoughts. Others of us wrestle with it. Wrestling with it is not bad in the per se, but we shouldn't wrestle with it forever. Some of us wrestle with the thought. Is, is, is that really true? I don't know. <sighs> and you wrestle with it. And some of us, we're supposed to wrestle, you know, but not, not for too long. Because you, you need to check every spirit. The Bible says to test the spirits. Right? To test the teaching. To test what's going on. So you wrestle with it a little bit. And you chew on it a little bit. And you mold on it a little bit. But that shouldn't be so long. And so once you identify this as a negative thought that doesn't come from God, the third thing that we need to do is we need to capture it. We need to capture the thought. 
Now, Darius asked y'all about the Rock War in 1987. I don't know if that was a Rock War, whatever you, yeah, the, whatever. Well, we had a Rock War in our neighborhood. Must have been about 1980. And so we lived in a place where we was around. We, we lived around a whole lot of different housing projects. So we had the Marshall Apartments on 12th. We had the Marshall Apartments on Selena. We had Rosewood Project right across the street. We had Booker T up there a little bit. We were in the Santa Rita. It was too far down the street. And so we were just like, like we were just like with miles within each other. And so we played football against each other. We played basketball with each other. And then when somebody got hit with a rock, everybody had to ride. Like this was before machine, like colors hadn't came out. So we didn't know nothing about that yet. And so we had these rock wars. And we were serious about it. We would take captives. And behind our, behind our, our, our office, uh, the, the department's office where the, where the office people worked, there was this, this fence. It had these two air conditioning units, and it had this fence around it. It was, it was covered on the top, chain-link fence all the way around. Because people back then, I guess people stole copper out of AC units or something like that, so they locked it off. And so we would take captives in the summer in Texas behind that building. See, so we had this other place that was called a danger keepout. I told y'all about the danger keepout before. And so inside the danger keepout was this was this transformer. Now we shouldn't have been back to playing on top of transformer, but it was like 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 real talk. Like your mama, who had a mama that said, "Don't come back in here, even if you got to use the restroom." See what y'all made us do? Y'all made us go pee on transformers. <laughs> we would squat down behind the transformer, we would pee, and so but they didn't have a top, so you put them in there, they just popped out. They popped out, so we put them where they couldn't get out. And it was this kid from Booker T. He didn't know no better. He got caught. And I'm not no snitch, but I'm saying allegedly maybe my brother and his friends put him inside this chain thing with a padlock and left him there. He was a prisoner of war. Squirrel was a prisoner of war. Squirrel is probably tormented to this day because I ain't seen him in a long time. I don't even know if he's still alive. But you know what? He was tormented that day in the sun. Texas heat, and guess what? Here's another thing that y'all used to do to us. Y'all used to say when the street light come on, you have to come home. And so there's rumor, I don't know, it was on the weekend, I don't know, that squirrel had to stay there till the next day, because I got to go home. I ain't got time to get you out of this padlock thing. I don't know if it happened or not. That's what I heard, though. <laughs> now, some of you in your mind, you're thinking, poor squirrel. Right? Who thinks poor squirrel? That poor baby. That poor baby. But what y'all don't understand, squirrel was the enemy. Yes, he was. And he needed to be taken captive. He was not a passive observer. He was a POW. Listen, your thoughts need to be thought of as prisoners of war. What you don't understand is we are at war. Okay, squirrel, that's light. But you know what I'm saying? We are at war. And there's a battlefield that's in your mind. And trying to persuade you to listen to one mission control or the other. If you signed up to be a Christian and nobody told you that you was at war, Paul is now telling us that the weapons of our warfare are not corner. Like, and it's in the words. We're at war. This is not some video game that you can just, you know, and turn it off and um, see fire. I'm going to bed. You ever wake up in the middle of the night with thoughts? You ever wake up in the middle of the night, married couple, and look at your spouse like, hmm. 
I just had some thoughts. I had a dream, and I sensed by the Spirit, you got some explaining to do. hitting your head. They're hitting your mind 24-7. We're at war, and it gets exhausting, and sometimes we, we just give into it. Like, you remember when you were the first Christian, when you were first a Christian? Like, those thoughts, those thoughts hit your head, and oh, no, 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 that's not of the Lord. Oh, no, 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 no. And you fought against it. You fought against it. Three, four, five months into it, man, I, yeah, hey, hey, this is too much work. <laughs> Capturing thoughts, chasing squirrel out. They caught him squirrel for a reason. That boy was fast. <laughs> couldn't let him out. He's going to run. Understand this. You are responsible for what you think. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. And we live in a world nowadays where we do a lot of thinking. We do. I look at some of the stuff. Me and my kids, we watch YouTube videos sometimes about some of the stuff that people think nowadays. Like, I'm not trying to be funny. If you're in a room and you think this way, listen, I'm, I, let's go out the coffee and talk. Um, but people think some crazy stuff nowadays. People think, like, people think that people can tell you that they are an animal. And you can't tell them they're not an animal because that's their truth. But the truth is telling me, you ain't a horse. <laughs> all my senses, all my common sense is telling me you are not. Anybody see these videos? Horse play, they running around, blah, blah, and that, that's their truth. On the weekend, they're horses. Pony play, I don't know, horse play, pony play, something. It ain't right. It's not right. And you can't tell people nowadays that they're not right because they're entitled to think what they want to think. People are transracial nowadays. They trans, I'm not going to go there. They're transracial. Like, like, I can just say right now, no, I'm not black, African-American, I'm Filipino, and you got to accept it. Because that's my truth. You can walk away and say what you want to say, but right now you can't tell me to my face because it's offensive if you tell me that I'm not what I say I am. And we need to understand nowadays, here and now, as believers, we're not the sum total of our thoughts. Now, our thoughts influence us, and God says you are what you think. But listen, we're, like, like just because you feel like you're something else, you don't have to embrace that you're something else because you thought that. The mind is reprobate. And we talk about that extreme, but just because you feel worthless, you don't have to, you, you, listen, you don't, you, you don't have to. Just because Big Mama told you you were going to be just like your daddy. You, you, listen, 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 you can capture that thought. And say, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be different. Now, this ain't no new age self-help. Name it or claim it, because some of y'all think, oh, pastor, you're going, no, 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 this, this ain't the universe. It's, 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 I can just bring the universe. We're not, we're not going to go there. But we're going to call truth, truth, and we'll say what God says, what God says. And so you're not your thoughts. I had a slide that says, I'm sorry, I won't say, I won't miss my slides again. Thoughts left alone are the seeds of action. Thoughts left alone, if you don't capture your thoughts, guess what? They're the seed of action. That means that they've been planted, and they have the potential to grow up and become an action. Actions embraced become habits. Actions embraced become habits. Listen, habits unchanged grow into strongholds. 
Habits unchanged grow into strongholds, and strongholds create barriers for godly character. If we're on mission and we want to become what God calls us to do, we got to remove these strongholds from our life. And these strongholds are these things that take root. And like, so in the old days, what Paul might have been referring to is like they used to have these, 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 these wars. And what you would do is you would get into a side of a mountain. You would have this cave in the side of a mountain. And if you shot arrows or whatever you shot, you would shoot down. And in order to take the stronghold, you basically had to take the mountain. They're rooted, they're stick, they're a part of what it is. And so as we take these thoughts and we allow these thoughts to remain and we start to believe these thoughts and these thoughts lead to our actions and these actions lead to habits. Next thing you know, you have these strongholds in your life that you can't get rid of and now you feel uh, helpless because it's a part of who you are. Just who I am. My mama had a temper, I got a temper. My mama was a real nervous, anxious person, so I'm a real nervous, anxious person. And I'm not talking, listen, forgive me. Listen, if there's medical things going on, I'm not saying, listen, take your medicine, do the things that you have to do. Uh, and, and, you know, depression, PTSD, that's real stuff. I'm not trying to, I know we have some military people. I'm not trying to dissuade that. I'm talking about the rest of us. Just because someone tries to lay that on you, you don't have to, listen, you don't have to take it. And God says, the weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. I know it's tough. I know it's hard, but you've been given weapons, baby. You don't enter the fist fight with a bazooka. And we don't have to give in to it. So what should we do? All right, I got some points, and we'll go home. I ain't going to tell you how many points, because y'all be counting. Okay. Number one, we got to distinguish ourselves from our thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You're created in the image of God. You're not your thoughts. They hit you, but you're not them. They come against you, but God has said something different. And so in order to take captive our thoughts, we need to understand that our thoughts influence us, but we don't have to be controlled by them. I must learn to control my thoughts and not become captive to them. I must take them captive, captive, captive. How do we do that? Well, one thing, here's the thing. Conviction is a good thing. We've, 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 we've got rid of conviction. Conviction is something that, oh, God doesn't want you to feel. No, God, that, that, that's not of God. No, listen, baby, listen. Conviction should lead you to repentance that shows you the grace of God. Paul said, should I just go on sinning that grace will abound? And so we don't want, we don't want any bad thoughts. And so th- this is the problem when, you, when, when your pastor is a, is a social science major. Um, the, the, the way that our, our thought life works is our brain, there's newer science behind it. We don't want to have bad feelings. We want to avoid bad feelings at all costs. We only want the stuff that makes us feel good. That's why social media and the stuff that I often talk about is so addictive because we get these endorphins that are released every time someone likes my photo of me eating another pasta salad. And we just did, whoa. <laughs> that filter I put on that, 77 likes, y'all. And there's this little dopamine that's released. There's this little, like, like, like a little, right? They have actually, I was helping Isaiah with a paper, and I love it because, you know, I love this kind of stuff. And so, like, 
the people who invaded Facebook, they said up front they knew that their software was addictive. They knew it because they want you to stay on the site, want you to buy and browse and, and, and do more things. And so they started doing this research and they showed that in our mind, in our minds, it's the same as someone who's addicted to drugs, the behaviors that happen when we get likes on, like, likes, likes on Facebook. Because they say something about us that might not necessarily be true. But it makes me feel so good. That's why pornography is, 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 is running rampant. Like I said it before, there are even nations, they're talking about like South Korea right now. Like they're, they, they, could, they could literally go extinct in the next hundred years because people are not having sex anymore. Like they, people have sex. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's declining because I can get all my gratification here. And the real thing ain't really good enough no more. Because my fantasies in the way that I, okay, scouting the room for little kids. Okay, listen, everybody, you're a teenager. Okay, and so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Think about this. This pastor's crass. I'm sorry, visitors. I don't always act like that. Maybe I do. Okay, so you ever imagine the act of grown folks doing the do, and then you did the do, and it wasn't good as what was in your head? Don't say nothing. Don't look at your spouse. Don't do it. <laughs> don't you do it. Straight focus. Just say, mm, no, Pastor, no. Listen, what we can do with our minds, we got to understand the power of our minds. Our minds can, man, our minds can trick us. It can, and so we have these things in our mind and these images and these fantasies in our mind, and the real thing ain't even good enough no more. It was a rabbit trail, but y'all need to hear it. Anyway. So we need to distinguish ourselves from our thoughts. We need to take those thoughts captive and bring them into subjection of Christ. Second, we need to distinguish ourselves from culture, according to Paul's word. We're going to go back to this text in a minute. We need to establish ourselves. We need to distinguish ourselves from culture. Okay, so again, sociology major. What is culture? Culture is an elusive term. And depending on who you talk to about it, it's comprised of 4, 8, 10, 12 elements. Do a Google search. What are the key elements of culture? Don't nobody know. Some people say it's four. Some people say it's three. Some people say it's eight. Some people say it's 12. Some people say there's more to it. But so an overly simplistic definition is culture is a way of life for an entire society. It includes government. It includes ways of thinking. It's a, there are objects associated with culture, like cultural artifacts. There's music. There's language. Here's the challenge of it. It's ever-changing, and it's hard to measure. And so for the sake of this discussion, we're going to use as a synonym for culture, the world. God says the world system. That's the way of thinking in the world that's opposite and, and opposed to God. So I don't care what culture you follow on and what you, how you define culture. Everything is going to lump culture into the world, and then we're going to say God is something different. And so we need to distinguish ourselves from culture. We need to distinguish ourselves from culture. Watch this. Uh, verse 5. Culture argues against God. And Paul said, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We need to distinguish ourselves from culture. We need to understand that we are in the world. We're not of this world. We are in this world and Christ is in the world not to be impacted by culture so that he can impact the culture. 
And as believers, we're in this world to be salt and light in the world. How does salt and light change the world? It impacts it. Listen, who are you impacting? Who are you impacting? And so it's, it's imperative that we live our life, that we have this mission control, that we guard our actions, that we guard our tongues, that we guard our thoughts, not so that you can just say, girl, I, can, I, I don't struggle with that no more. No, you do that so that you can be a salt and light in the world so that you can now impact the culture. The Christian church has retreated. This is the reason Paul, Paul didn't just say, I'll go plant another church, because he understood that, listen, he had to get the gospel out. And I think we've gotten to an age where we have so many churches. We have churches on every corner, and we say, you know, we ain't really got to do it no more. And so we just come in here on Sunday mornings, and we flock in here on Sunday mornings, and then the rest of the week we just talk about being a Christian, and we show up on Sunday again. And then what have you really been doing? Who are you leading to Christ? How are you impacting the culture for Christian culture? Now, I'm not talking about what would Jesus do, bumper stickers and walking around. And no, I'm not talking about that. How are you impacting people to come to a deeper understanding of who God is by your life? And so we got to get to a place where we're impacting culture and we're taking these arguments and we're destroying these arguments. Now, listen, this is not just a, listen, if you want to do this, you can do this. I'm not going to argue with you. God has given people different passions. I'm not talking about standing on the corner with street bullhorns and just tearing people down. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. But our lives. So in close, interpersonal relationships, you should scream loudly. Because here's the thing. Culture speaks whether you know it or not. You can't passively just take on culture. The movies that we watch shape our understanding of God. Listen, the songs that we listen to shape our understanding of God. Listen, single people in the house, you can't keep listening to Beyonce turn up and then not be feeling some kind of way when you ride in the car and you single and you wish you had a man and she got Jay-Z. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. I'm not saying that it's this utter sin that you listen to Beyonce. But what I'm saying is there's thoughts that are going to come. There's things that are associated with this music that you listen to. The TV shows that you watch. Okay, guys, it's rated M for mature, but they just showed a boob, dude. And so you saw a boob, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and you kept on watching. And then you up in here singing, here I am to worship. And listen, I'm not trying to be, listen, it's happened to me. It, not here, but in the past. Here I am to worship. And boom, my image, you're like, oh, God. And I fall on the altar, and you're crying on the altar, and people think that you're just being real spiritual right now, but you're trying to get that boob out your head. I, sometimes I'm just too real. I need to stop. The elders told me to stop it. Huh? Say breast. My, my, <laughs> my speech team has told me I should say breast. <laughs> Thank you, speech team. Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.23 to guard our heart. Because the seed of what you just sow will uh, take root into your heart and it will grow. Listen, what you sow is going to reap a harvest. These thoughts that you're entertaining and that you're playing with, listen, it's going to reap a harvest. You're watching certain things. You're doing certain things. And now all of a sudden, you're in a hotel room, and you don't know how you got here. It's going to reap a harvest. Nothing open after 12 o'clock, but I'm not going to say it. 
seeds are planted through our eyes. They take root in our heart. They're activated with our mind. And so we must tear down these arguments, destroying these arguments. Um, there's, an old, there's an old story by uh, William Barclay. He talked about a guy going to a, um, a party back in the day. And there was this atheist in the city, renowned atheist in the city. And he asked this one guy that was at the party, he said, what if you don't go to church tomorrow, but you just hang out here and, and, and we can just talk about your God? The guy was smart enough to know that he wasn't as clever as the atheist. He says, uh, I don't want to argue with you. The atheist was saying, I, 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 I don't want to argue. I just want to hear your story about this God that you're always proclaiming. And so in that moment, he gave him a brief gospel presentation with power, with tears in his eyes. And then the atheist said, listen, I will chop off my right arm if I can have the kind of faith that you have right now. That's the kind of faith. That's the kind of argument. Listen, words, listen, you're never going to be answered, and you're never going to be able to answer every skeptic because they're just holes in our understanding. We're not infinite. We don't know everything. But you can speak with your life. You can lay hold of culture. And you can only do this once you get to a place where you've controlled your mind. Amen. So we're going to go to another scripture real quick. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. And so we see that we have to control our minds. We have to get to a place where our thoughts are intact. And so now we're going to get to some nitty gritty. We're going to get to some nitty gritty. Colossians 3 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. It says, Kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, is, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is adultery. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Watch this. But now you have put, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Listen, he says put them away. He didn't say don't storm in your thoughts. Put them away. And the language here is this harsh putting off. It's this throwing off of these ideologies. Put them away. This shouldn't even be named amongst you. Certain things, like we talked about last week, the course justing and all this kind of stuff, it shouldn't even be named amongst believers. Because what it does is it says something about the God we say we know. But just because the world is doing it, we've massaged the gospel, we've, we, we've sanitized the gospel, we've taken the blood out of the equation, and we've said, you know, so, you know we, 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 I'm, I'm only human. But the scripture tells us we're supernatural beings, not so that we can think that we're better than other people, but we have God living on the inside of us. And why did God give you God? 
Not so you that you can get your life together. Solely. He has implanted himself in your life, in your understanding, in your psyche, so that you may now go out and make disciples. That you can go out and impact the world. That you could do the things that Jesus would be doing if Jesus was standing in your shoes. If Jesus lived at your, at, at your address. If Jesus worked on your job. If Jesus went to your school. If Jesus frequenting, frequented the coffee shop that you, you frequent. We have these treasures stored up in earthen vessels. And we walk around, we just, I'm only human. I can only do so much. You don't understand the God that's living on the inside of you. You don't understand that you're equal to every situation, every circumstance. That doesn't mean that you just, listen, it doesn't mean that God is just going to bless you above measure and you're going to get the house and you're going to get the car and you're going to get the jet. You don't even know how to drive a jet. You want a jet. But it speaks that our thinking is all jacked up. We don't understand uh, uh, what's going on. And if we understood, listen, if you understood that Jesus was over your shoulder and Jesus knew your thoughts. Have you ever been, I used to go, I, I used to be a part of a real charismatic church and some of y'all been part of the charismatic church. There's a, there, there's a prophet in the room and he's just calling stuff out and you'd be like, mm, mm. You go to the bathroom for a real long time because he'd be calling stuff out. And you and your, and your heart start beating real fast. Huh. You're going to get a new Cadillac. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You didn't see what was really on the inside. What are we doing? Seriously. What are we doing? Why are we here? Why didn't God just take us when he saved us? If being saved was a sum total and fellowship with God and presence with God, he could have just took us back to heaven. Right? If that's what you believe, he could have just took you. Hmm. And so, we have to control our thoughts. We have to embrace our new self. That would have been a slide. I said I won't say it anymore. I say that so y'all can take notes. We have to embrace our new self. If we're going to take our thoughts captive, we have to embrace our new self. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not be conformed to this culture. Do not be conformed to the things that are going on. Listen, that's not to say that all culture is bad. Some things in culture is absolutely redeemable. But the things that stand in stark contrast to God, those things should be just put away with. And so we have to embrace, embrace our new self. And we need to renew our mind. Y'all put breast in my head. <laughs> would never said in boob. It wouldn't have did. It wouldn't, did. It wouldn't happen. And so we need to renew our minds. Our minds need to be made new. Listen, we need to understand that our minds are all jacked up and we need to embrace in, in, uh, uh, this new way of thinking, this renewed thought. And so we need to have this kingdom perspective. Colossians 3, 1 through 8 says it this way. If then you have been raised with Christ, 
If then you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, comma, what comes after the comma? Watch this. If you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above. If you believe it, seek it. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things on the earth, for you have died. Some of us need to hear that today. Dead people don't respond. Been to a few funerals. Listen, as much as Big Mama, you cry for Big Mama to get up, Big Mama did not get up. And if she got up, you would have lost your mind. Because you know dead people aren't supposed to respond to your voice. We're not supposed to be responding to the things that go on around us. Instead, we're supposed to be infusing and impacting the things around us. Don't show your hands. Don't raise your hand. But how many people in the room, you don't want to be that Christian? That's always saying, praise the Lord. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Like, you're always saying this Christian stuff. Why don't we want to be that? Because historically, what's happened is people had just, it's just been words. It hasn't been words and deeds. But when you got power to back up what you're saying, a room this size, I'm, I imagine a couple of people in the room have experienced this, but have you ever been just, just, just out and about and you mention God and then people perk up and they just want to talk about God and they weren't really like believers or followers? We used to do street evangelism every Wednesday before we went to men's group. Faithful to do street evangelism. And we'd be back down there and like it was always hard the first few conversations. But after you got into it, folks just talking about Jesus. Don't mean they come. But listen, people want to have faith discussions. Because they live in a world of darkness and they need light. I'm not talking about the person, the skeptic on the corner. You want to, you want to sit there and debate. But how about have some discussion? Listen, everybody that Paul talked to didn't want to hear about Jesus. Shoot, everybody Jesus talked to didn't want to hear about Jesus. But there were those who wanted to engage in a dialogue. And it doesn't mean that you, listen, and I know in evangelism, we ruined it because people tell the stories. They got on the plane. They sit in the front seat. The stewardess came, and by the time the plane landed, everybody on the plane was saved, singing hallelujah. It's like, come on. That's not what you're looking for. But you're planting seeds. You're counteracting the culture. And so what happens is we go on our jobs and people start talking about stuff they want to talk about. And so one of two things, either you also want to talk about it or you feel obligated to talk about it, but you never talk about the things that you want to talk about. Sorry, tag team. Said, for you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ in God. When Christ, who is, is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so he talks about this active engagement. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is adultery. Listen, you can't control your thoughts without controlling your ability to have, have, these, have these conversations with your thoughts. Seriously. I think Jesus gives us a pass. If we're walking by Trevor, we're walking by the girl's smile, and she got the little short shorts on, and you, oh, okay, my bad. But then when you turn and keep on looking and start thinking about all the things that you could do if your 
significant other, or if you had a significant other, look like that one. That's when you begin to sense. See, the bird flew over your head. You don't let her make a nest. And God is saying, put all this stuff away. And as Christians, here's the thing. I know I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a rock. I'm throwing a rock, and I know I'm going to hit some pe- a few people. Just say, ouch. Um, you're entertaining the thought. And because of that, like Christians, we've become good. We've become good at living this secret sin of life, I mean, this secret life of sin in our heads. And then we look down on others because they doing what I just thought. It says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. We have to gain a proper perspective of what sin is. There was this tribe in, in New Guinea. They used to have these ceremonies where they would dance and they would work themselves into a frenzy. And at the end of the ceremony, they would um, they would sing what they called a murder song. They would call out the people by name that they hated that they would want to get murdered. Pilling sounds like trap music to me. Okay. <laughs> Don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. I'm just saying. But then a missionary came to this village. And he showed them Jesus. He showed them grace. He showed them love. And listen, they didn't get rid of the tradition. They were now seeing about the sin that they hated in their life that they wanted God to destroy. That one person, I don't know who that person is. I just heard the story. But he impacted the culture. We can learn a lot from that culture. I dare say God might be even in the midst of the situation when they're singing these songs about the sin in their life. He's, he's pulling them along. And so they, their worship don't look like our worship. But I can see value in those songs. Have you ever read a song? No vague water references. But sheer sin. God, remove it. God, I hate it. Like, think about that. If the American church, think about that for a second. If the American church would sing worship songs and talk about, God, help me to deal with this lust. Destroy it in my heart. Destroy it in my life. Churches, nobody going to that church. But you go to that church. That's, that's just weird. They're in there singing about God destroying stuff. But for their culture, they impacted it. That's why it takes all different types of church people. It takes all different types of churches. And so we need to sing a new song. That's what I have here in my slides. We place the, the jump off that makes your head do those things with songs of worship, with songs of praise, with songs about God and his goodness, his glory, and his mercy. It is extremely hard to have bad thoughts when, when you're singing worship songs. Not just listening to them, singing them. Experiment. 
Everybody count to 20 in your head right now. Now say glory, hallelujah. What happened to the counting? Sometimes we just need to speak the word of our life. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you just can't be quiet. We need to sing a new song. Then we need to submit to a new boss. Submit to a new boss. Back to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10, verse 6. Paul talked about all these things that he was going to destroy and he was going to tear down. He said, verse 6, being ready to punish every disobedience when obedience is complete. Listen, discipline has become a bad word in the church nowadays. Because we're out of control and we, 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 don't, we, don't, want, we don't want to be accountable to no one. I said biblical authority, apostolic authority. The word is the top. I'm not talking about no crazy man that looks like me yelling at you all the time. But sometimes I have stuff valuable to say, though. I'm just saying. But we have not become accountable. We have not become accountable to the word. How can you become accountable to the word? You got to get in the word. This is not just this pretty book that you decorate and you take Instagram photos and put filters on it with your, with your highlights to show that you're spiritual. And you read two verses today and meditated on it. Actually, that word meditation means to mutter. You're going around and you're thinking, you're muttering that word all day long. We have to become better stewards of the word. We have to infuse the word into our life and in our hearts. And we have to be accountable to the word. Not just hearers of the word, but y'all read your Bible. All right, I'm running short on time. And finally, I said finally, because it is the last point. We need to put on our new armor. We need to put on our new armor. The word says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, 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 take up the whole armor of God. That's our new clothes. What are we doing? That you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to do, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on you on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus took on the sword of spirit against Satan, Matthew 4. 4. Satan was in the desert, in the wilderness, tempting Jesus. And Jesus said, it is written. Satan came with another temptation. He said, nope, 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 nope. It is written. The third temptation, it is written. That every man shall live by the word of God.
not by bread alone. Oh, the face came on. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all power and supplication. That's your new armor. No, he said, take it on, put it on, take it up, put it on, take it up, put it on. There's this activity that happens. Listen, listen, you can be a Christian and walking around without your armor. The discipleship process is based upon us putting on the things of God. Putting on the things of God. It's no coincidence that Paul also wrote that particular passage of scripture. Why? Because Paul understood the spiritual battles. He understood things were going on around him that weren't just natural. Things were coming against him that weren't just normative. And some of you might be saying, well, I don't have none of that stuff going on in my life or none of that stuff happening to me. Well, first I would ask you, are you on the field? Have you enlisted? Are you a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Have you made up in your mind that you're here not for yourself, we sang it this morning that you're going to submit your life. You're going to surrender everything to God. And listen, when you surrender your life to God, you know it. Everybody who in the room knows it. When you surrender your God, life to God, all hell breaks loose. It breaks loose because you have an enemy that wants you to stop. Sometimes the enemy lives on the inside of us. It's called our flesh. I flush, the old folks said. Listen, for the next few moments, this is what I want you to do. I want you to evaluate in your heart. Has your thought life aligned with the thoughts of someone who's a follower of Christ in your estimation? Nobody's going to look over your shoulder. Nobody's going to check your notes. It's between you and God right now. Has your thought life aligned with the thoughts that a believer would have? Do, do you think like Jesus would think if Jesus was in your shoes? Because remember, Jesus was 100% man, 100% God without sin. And in his humanity, he felt everything that you feel. The difference is Jesus was the anointed one. Jesus was on, he was on mission. Are you on mission? Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.